America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I've been a big fan of your videos for uh, a while, maybe like two years or something like that. You made me care about parkour. That's what I do. I do. That's I, what I, I never, do, and then then I stop doing it, and then everyone hates me for that. <laughs> well, I, I'm impressed that you were able to make that kind of a pivot because it's so hard to do that. So many people try to pivot, and it, it almost never works. But you did it, so that's very impressive. Thanks, man. You know, you know, um, yeah, you know what it is. I was so aware that that was the case because I kind of got big in the parkour sphere probably three years after there were skater YouTubes doing the same sort of thing. And I was very aware of some of the skater YouTubers, how they got stuck in like doing the same content constantly. And I was really right. aware of it, so I wanted to kind of move out of it. I, it was sort of looking at, when I was going through your channel, I was kind of like looking at all the old stuff. And I see that you've evolved, but I feel like you've stayed in the niche, but you've expanded it. And I'm kind of curious how you've done that, how you've managed that. Well, I, I don't actually think I have evolved very much, to be honest with you. Um, I've tried a lot, um, but I don't think I've really successfully done it. I think what I realized is that my audience kind of wants one thing, which is like, you know, nostalgia about, you know, rock bands from the 2000s. Mm. And uh, so I, I give it to them. Uh, yeah, I, I tried. But anytime I step outside of that, people don't really care for it. And that's OK. As long as people if people like the content I'm making, then, you know, I'm happy. Do you ever feel like, because, I mean, I don't want to start on a fucking negative, but I felt when I was doing, um, I've just realized I've titled this wrong, so let me just upload that. When I was doing, like, parkour stuff, I got to a point where I effectively ran out of ideas. It was, it was mm -hmm. two things. It was like I'd ran out of ideas, and I'd also um, just noticed the interest in it dropped at a point. And I think those two things made me decide, okay, now's the time to pivot. But do you ever get that sort of feeling of, like, uh, feeling a bit boxed in with what you're doing or how, how does it feel? Yeah, but I mean, I think every creator feels that way and so you just kind of have to accept that You know that that's just how it is and so that's the challenge is like how do you give to people what they want? But also kind of keep it evolving in some way or another um, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like I'm gonna run out of ideas <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm gonna run out of content at, at some point in the not-too-distant future yeah. um, But uh, you know, it is what it is you know, I like, it's so funny. I was so, when I first started YouTube, I really, really wanted to be able, I, I literally had it in my head, I want to make a video on Tyler Creator, which I just did the other week. And that was one of the first things I wanted to do at the very beginning, but I knew my channel wasn't there, it wasn't in the place. And now I've got right. to the point where I could make that and it done like decently. Um, I've sort of also felt this weird feeling of now that I have no niche, it's almost too broad to the point where I'm like, I don't know what to make videos on because like for me it's like a video will do really well um and i'll try do that and i think okay maybe my niche is this or like something like that but then sometimes when you're so broad you could do a video i did one recently about paparazzi and it just fucking bombed and right you kind of at so it's, it's kind of hard to know like what yeah what you're even supposed to make and it yeah and it makes you kind of and this is something i think i've i've witnessed in you is that um you balance on your second channel you balance yourself as like a personality creator there 
and on your main yeah. channel you balance yourself as a you know concept content wikipedia bit. reciter <laughs> that's we're glorified wikipedia reciter. yeah barely even glorified no yeah truly truly depressing but at least in my case how yeah so that's interesting though because that's a thing that a lot of youtubers want they want to be the personality creator and that's where i'm at at the moment where i'm trying to get more personality into things um did you make that decision at a point to go to twitch and try and push that side or how did it work yeah yeah that's exactly what i thought so i'd considered doing twitch for a long time and i just always sort of said that i didn't have time and blah 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 uh and then uh there was someone over at twitch uh, he's not there anymore fred rubenstein who used to work at roadrunner records and cool guy and uh, i got in touch with him and he basically was like yeah you should do this and you know we can help you out and i was like well all right fine i'll give it a shot and it ended up being a lot more fun and successful than i thought and then I thought, well, I might as well put the clips up on YouTube while I'm at it. Mm. Um, and someone, you know, a friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll edit it for you. If, you know, you give me this much of the revenue, then I'll edit everything. And I was like, yeah, OK, why not? And I really didn't expect anything at all to come out of it and ended up being like some it's almost as big as my main channel in terms of monthly views now i i post a lot more videos on the second channel like three a week instead of one a week <clears throat> so on a per video basis it's less views but i mm. mean i get a million views a month on it which i feel that's pretty good about for like a you know a twitch clips channel yeah. um, and it's a lot more fun to make that content and so yeah that was like a deliberate decision because you got to think like how is it going to be different from the main channel or else it's just, you know, some people when they have a second channel, it's just the same thing as their main channel, but with shittier production. And, well, I don't think that's true. I think, I think, um, well, I haven't watched all of them, but I've watched like a, a, a couple, a few chunks of those, mm. which the ones that I've seen were more about like your personal story, like the one about the road men or whatever. Mm. Um, so I, I I don't I don't think that's exactly true, um, especially but in, and especially now that your main channel videos are a little bit more polished. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think there's even more of a difference. But yeah, I think you could just like go harder on the personality and yeah, you know I think that'd be cool. Yeah, man, that's yeah, it's definitely where I'm at. So you know, how how big of a YouTube head are you like now right now? I mean, I I watch like it's pretty much the only thing I watch is um, YouTube and uh, reality TV shows with my wife. So <laughs> I, I mean, I would say I, I watch a pretty good amount of YouTube. Oh yeah. So um, do you watch? Do you watch like Nakey Jakey? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, not often, but yes, I'm familiar. He does great work. I mean, he doesn't give you the opportunity to watch him often. He uploads like twice right, a right. year. He's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's he's like exactly where. I think I want to be where it's like you can kind of he's it's just so funny watching his videos are so funny and I always find and I'm curious what you think about this when you're doing a video that's um, a video essay video and it's got a point a narrative and I don't know how you record do you read a script do you are you like writing yeah okay okay so do you write in like humorous bits like if you have like little because sometimes you you don't seem like you're completely reading the script you feel like it's a little lighter no, I stopped putting in humor and opinions about two years ago because anytime I put my personality into videos, it made people angry. So I stopped any kind of humor or, you know, opinions or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I put one, no, I put two jokes about Tizo Touchdown. I don't know if you know about him. He's this kind of rapper guy who puts nails in his hair. He's, he makes good music. He's not really a rapper. He's kind of, yeah, I don't know. Um, but he puts nails in his hair it's very gimmicky and I was just making a joke on that and then yeah must be 50% of the comments are like dude 
Tizo's sick. What the fuck are you on about? Why are you yeah. It? yeah. Because like I made one joke for three seconds, and this is what the thing you fixate on out of a 16-minute video. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fine. You guys just want me to read Wikipedia? <laughs> so be, yeah. that's okay. I mean, that just makes it easier for me. And I you suppose know? because you've got your second channel, you don't feel that hard. Like, for me, it feels limiting <laughs> on my main channel to not have any personality. So I've started to put jokes and trying to find a balance yeah. now. Um, but I suppose with you, you've got the second channel, so you feel like you've got that creative outlook in that side yeah yeah i also you know i've just sort of come to terms with this you know because i've been doing youtube for seven years now i guess and there was a time where i was more frustrated by this and now i'm just like you know it's it's cool like you know my job is to make content uh, actually you know adam 22 in some interview he did was like someone asked him why don't you do this why don't you do that and he was like my job is to make content that people want to watch so that's mm -hmm. why i do this or that, whatever it was. Mm. And I was like, yeah, it's really that simple, isn't it? Um, and so I think a lot of people get frustrated by kind of trying to force what they want to do onto the audience, right? And it's not about you or me. You know, if we, it, like, that's, that's sort of a selfish point of view. That's our ego talking, mm. right? It's not about you or me or what we want. It's about what the audience wants. And, you know, hopefully that can be something that, you know, is like, I think there's some people who can just be their authentic self and that and the audience loves it yeah like when when it sort of overlaps perfectly like i, I don't know but nakey jakey to me seems like that's his authentic personality like that that seems to be who he is or yeah. you know in the metal world nick nocturnal like i don't know nick especially well but i mean he seems like that's who he really is um you know not but not everyone that doesn't work for everyone other people sort of have to maybe i don't want to say make compromises i don't know what the right word is but you know some people don't get to just be their authentic self all the time and have people love it and that's just the way it is you know yeah i think i'm still you know i'm still trying to find that like balance for me because it's just, it's one of them ones i think maybe how old are you finn if you don't mind me asking <laughs> uh, <laughs> what i'm trying to say is i wonder if i've still got a young man's optimism you know like <laughs> Well, yeah, the other thing is um, the uh, I, my career has been in like design and marketing. And yeah, um, I did that for, you know, I did I was a graphic designer for like 10 years. And the entire like your your existence as a graphic designer, any kind of designer is putting a lot of like yourself into a thing and then you put it up on the wall and there's a room of people who will go around the room and tell you everything that's wrong about it and what yeah, they don't like. Make about it pop. It. Make it pop more, please. Yeah, that's just how it is. And 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 it sucks at first, especially, you know, because you do put a lot of yourself into the work. Yeah. But it's just something it's just the nature that's the job, you know, is it's not art, you know? You're here yeah. to make a thing that's going to drive business. Damn, you say and, it, you say it so coldly. Oh, I know what you're saying is 100% true, but I know that feeling of like um, you know, I feel in, in to some extent what we do on YouTube has elements of artistry to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's great. But I know exactly what you mean. I have a friend who is, to be honest, incredible artist, like in making music, graphic design. But he hates the fact that he's designing for all these clients. And what you're saying is exactly that story of he hasn't accepted what he is meant to do. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's you just got you know. And there's no world in which anybody, I think just gets to do whatever the fuck they want and get, you know, 
showered with money and praise and attention and they can just go around and do whatever they want. Like, I don't think yeah. that exists for anyone, you know, look, think of whatever creator or artist or filmmaker or whatever you want. Like if Quentin Tarantino made a rom-com that <laughs> was like, you know, not cynical at all. If he just made like a Kate Hudson movie from 2008, a wedding comedy movie, people would fucking hate it. Yeah. You know, like Quentin Tarantino has, he has a very narrow lane that he needs to, to be in. I think that's just, the nature of the beast and um of course it's natural to sort of want to push the boundaries and it's a good thing and all that but i think uh, a lot of people would maybe be happier if they would just sort of like take a deep breath and sort of be grateful i i just remind myself i'm grateful that anyone gives a shit what i have to say about anything at all yes, right yeah yeah any like the fact that I can publish any video or you can publish any video and there's going to be tens or hundreds of thousands of people that watch that is fucking crazy. Yeah, you know, true. think about, imagine when you were just starting, you know, if, if you knew that this is the way things were going to go and you'd be like, in the future, you could be like, well, uh, young Jimmy. Yeah. It's great that you're getting millions of views, but remember, you're not going to be able to, you know, just make whatever content you want. And you'd be like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, man. Like, who gives a shit? I'm getting two million views a it, month. Like, I don't a, give a shit. It's such a weirdly like entitled. <clears throat> like when you say it, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, it's a kind of weird entitlement. I think a lot of people have, and I've noticed it a, a lot with uh, trying to hire, trying to hire editors. Right. This was this was something that just come to mind when I was trying to. I, I'm always look. I'm always trying to hire editors. I find it's yeah. the hardest thing to find a good editor. Um, and when I hire an editor now, right, so I'm, I'm paying like decent money for a kid, probably like 18, 20 years old, whatever. Good money. He doesn't need to go and work a shitty job uh, to yeah. edit like two videos a month. And it's like probably a week's worth of work, really. And I cannot, yeah. I cannot find one. And I'm thinking like back when I was- and well, I've got someone I'll introduce you to. He's awesome. Oh, please do. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, back in my day, as I say, when I was like 16 <laughs> or something, I would have- literally killed someone to be able to, yes. to do that to edit for a youtuber but now yeah. what it seems to me if, and i get it because sometimes when they quit they always say ah, i just want to be doing my own thing or something like this. yeah it always seems that people are so ambitious and it's ironic coming from myself where i feel i am very ambitious but it's like i almost see some people especially very young people they're so ambitious they don't want to take the job that will get them there or they don't want to yep. take the job that isn't the end point there and so they're like yeah they're almost turning their nose up at what would be an insanely cool job to do as a 20 year old as an editor on a youtuber yeah i mean i agree i i support anybody if you want to go out on your own and do your own thing i think that's awesome uh but you might find that you were better off you know the grass is not always greener there's lots of times in my career where you know i thought i wanted this thing i'll give you an example of this a time where i thought i wanted this thing and when i got close to it i realized that maybe i didn't hmm. so this is back in like the 2000s i was doing a lot of like uh, motion graphics and sort of video editing stuff. And uh, I was kind of slowly, this is like when MTV, you know, was at its peak. You remember like Viva La Bam and all those oh, kind of cool. shows. Yeah, right? yeah. And they had all those cool like intros and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like motion graphics was like getting a lot of love at the time. And I was like, I want to do that stuff. And so I, I did a lot of freelance stuff and I was posting my, you know, work on all these forums and I sort of started to get the attention it's not like they were necessarily offering me a job but i could tell that i was starting to get attend the attention of some of those people and and maybe like that was attainable and then i went to go uh stay with my cousin who lived in la at the time and 
you know, he was asking me about this and he's a little bit older than me. He's an investment banker. He doesn't know anything about like, you know, art or anything like that. And he was like, oh, that's really cool. I was telling him all this. He was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, well, let me ask you, where are these places? And I go, oh, most of them are in Santa Monica, which for anybody who doesn't know is one of the more expensive parts of LA. And he was like, okay. Um, and uh, he was like, well, how much do these jobs pay? And I was like, oh, you know, probably at the time, this is 2000. So I was like, I don't know, maybe like 60 grand a year or something. He's like, hmm, okay. And what kind of what, what kind of hours are they? I'm like, well, they're long hours, but it's okay because this is, you know, I really like this stuff. And he wasn't even trying to like burst my bubble, but like- <laughs> you, It was bursting, just naturally, yeah. You kind yes, of hear, in yeah. 90 seconds of me just, and he was, <laughs> I was just answering his questions. And, and I had been spending years kind of grinding on this. And in 90 seconds, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. This is fuck. not a good, I was like, this is a bad idea. And so I ended up switching my major. I was in college at the time and I switched my major to marketing and, you know, ended up just totally pivoting out of design and into business because I was like, well, if I'm going to be working hard, uh, I would prefer to be working hard at something that's going to, you know, make more money. And uh, I'm glad I did. But point being is that like, especially when you're young, I think men and young men, especially are so fucking stubborn and we won't listen to anyone about anything. It's yeah. like, maybe the thing you want maybe you should want something else yeah yeah and it's yeah man you got me thinking about a lot of things like when i was when i was doing parkour like i i did that for probably yeah not to say i've quit quit i'd love to get back into it. i always preface that because i always there's probably one person in the audience who knows me in the parkour world um uh -huh. and the, the judgment of the parkour community is just you know i could never accept that so you know um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just remember there was like these kids who would be so good at parkour like just world-class athletes age 18 yep. 19 and they think they want to become professional free runners and so they just do parkour all day they don't go to university they do nothing but it and then as soon as it comes to any form of way or potential way of monetizing parkour so obviously your, your ways are now like youtube or doing commercial shoots or doing stunt work um, right. I've seen people that went to go into it and then they just hated it. They hated the the monetized version of the thing they love. And the, yep. the thing you love versus the monetized version of it are two different things. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Like doing something as a hobby. Like I play badminton a lot. I love badminton, but I'm sure if someone paid me to play it, I'd fucking hate it because, you know, the rigorous amount of exercise, et cetera. Um, yep. And it can, I mean, if yeah. you do anything, you know, 40 to 80 hours a week, it's going to turn into a grind because yeah. that's a lot of fucking time to do anything. You know, I talk, here's a good example. I talked to a guy years ago who um, I just ended up sitting next to him at a bar or something like that. And I remember what it was. I was at a restaurant at, and there was a strip club next door. And um, I randomly ended up talking to the guy. He was like the manager. And I said something about like, Oh, I wish I had the job of like auditioning the girls at a strip club. And he was like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I did that for years. I fucking hated it. And I was yeah. like, what? what? And he was like, oh, my God, they're so annoying. You know, they come in and they, you know, are this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, even the guy who auditions girls for a strip club. <laughs> I hate this job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And the same thing of like as soon as, you know, it's a bit trite to say, but as soon as you get to the top of the mountain, you realize it's yep. not quite. And it's like there's more. And it's like. You know, as I say, when that was that kind of epiphany I had with the place I'm at now, able to make the video I wanted to make at the beginning, where I'm still feeling a little bit 
like not exactly certain and it's like the place that you envisioned being the place of i guess calm every everything's good never, doesn't exist yeah it doesn't exist and it's good it doesn't yep. exist else you know yeah. once you've achieved it your life will get very boring very quickly um but yeah it's it's, it's bizarre um so the lesson to all of this to me is just like you know be grateful for what you have i think it's always good to you know have goals and you know to think about you know is there a way that you can grow but i think learning to be grateful for what you have and 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 live in the present is very hard for me and probably for a lot of other people but i think that's the move yeah and i also think the thing i did which was cool and i think is important is always like move incrementally and pivot as opposed to yeah. uh, yep. when we were talking about yeah how i managed to get to change in my niche it wasn't by making a drastic overnight i was like oh shit i'm so fed up with doing parkour videos tomorrow i'm going to make a video about ricky gervais my audience right. wouldn't you did parkour it. then you did subcultures i did no actually it was one in between it was parkour it was extreme sports subcultures and right right broader. right okay. i'm still doing the subculture yeah. stuff but now broader and it was like it was yeah. very and so that's a very that yeah yeah that that makes sense it's like a linear progression to me yeah so i wanted to ask you then you were into skateboarding at some point you maybe you did some work in skateboarding is that what you were talking about with the tele the mtv stuff or was it different yeah yeah so i i started skating uh to give you to answer your question about how old i am without telling you <laughs> um i got into skateboarding the first time i sort of became aware of it was um you, do you know uh, Do you know what Bones Brigade is? Yeah, yeah, because of the documentary, for sure. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, I got into it when Bones Brigade was actually new, <laughs> um, So is this where they, they were coming up, like they were becoming popping, or was it they were popping at this point? They were already popping at that point, so this would be like 87, 88, just when I was sort of aware of skateboarding, but I was like a little kid, and I didn't know anything. I was just like, oh, that's cool, because okay, they had like, yeah. you know, bright pink, shorts and stuff and i was like oh that's cool <laughs> um i didn't actually start skateboarding until the early 90s in the big pants and tiny wheels era the which in hindsight uh no it's before that this was yeah. like 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 i don't know there's a company called blind that i think was maybe one of the first to make the really big jeans okay cool and but similar kind of thing but it was before janko and uh that in my opinion i think was probably like actually the worst era of skateboarding because it was so shitty to watch because everyone's riding these like 35 millimeter wheels and doing these insanely complicated flip tricks you know with no air or anything like that because they're tiny little wheels you can't really right. do that much so it's like these guys in like absurdly large pants doing super <laughs> technical tricks that nobody could understand like oh it's a 360 fucking backside pressure flip because well, to... the jeans would make it literally hard to kind of see the feet type thing yeah partly yeah and it was just and everyone was such a fucking asshole too <laughs> it was just like the fucking worst time for skateboarding um in a lot of ways but anyway that's when i sort of uh so funny skateboarding. how that's held as that's the golden era. everyone in their head it's like oh the 90s dude if you were skating in the 90s i mean the later the late 90s i think were probably better than that um oh, yeah. you know at least in my opinion but the early 90s man that like the new deal blind era there's some things about it that were cool but like dude and and oh god the people are such fucking assholes um <laughs> but uh yeah uh so that's that was sort of and i was i was bad at skateboarding and i realized like i'm never going to be good at it because I, i'm sure parkour is the same as like you have to really commit to a trick in order to land it like if you don't commit you're not going to land it. You have yeah. to be willing to just throw yourself off this thing and potentially get fucked up. And uh, I just have too much self-preservation to do that. 
So I realized I was never going to be good at it. What was like I the best thing just, you did? Did you you get any cool tricks, or you're pretty simple with? No, like ollie off a fucking two foot high concrete block. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think parkour, like this is the thing with skateboarding and parkour. Skateboarding has such a high like skill gap like barrier to entry is so high parkour on your first day you'll probably do like a kind of decent jump and you'll be like oh that was cool and then within the first year you're probably doing some okay things skateboarding to me it feels like if you get a kickflip within five years you're killing it yeah yeah. i've I've landed a kickflip a couple times that like not off of a ledge or anything just like on flat ground that's like the pinnacle of my skateboarding ability but parkour i mean at least the stuff that I see online, which granted is probably like the most extreme version of it, is like that shit's fucking crazy. Like people throwing themselves out over the craziest gaps and like mm. how do you even practice that? Because if you you know, if you I don't know what you call it, like bail on one of those tricks, like you fall thirty two feet down a fucking parking garage under your face. Yeah, I mean, for parkour, it's like so... When you see those insane clips of... I'm guessing you're probably talking about like Stora and probably even the old school stuff and like clips of Dom Tomato doing these big fronting over a thing. And Honestly, what only stuff that I've seen on your channel, that's like the extent okay. of my parkour yeah, knowledge. Like, like if you think of it, that's probably year 10 of some kid who's been training since 15. Or but how do you train for 10 years without like breaking your spine? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they do I don't know so you will, all the flips I would say probably all of the flips all the acrobatic stuff will be learned in a gym where it's soft so you're learning okay. how to do it. I, there are some people now like if there's parkour people they'll, they'll obliterate me for this but there are some people from like Russia uh, Lithuania like Ukraine all these kind of eastern block places they didn't right. have access to gyms and they are the best because they would learn on like sand hills they would be just sending these insane flips on sand hills and shit so yeah a, a lot of the acrobatics learned in a gym but when it comes to height i mean it's kind of a just slow progression it's a real mental thing like you, once you understand what you're able to do and most people will kind of measure their jump they'll be like i can jump 10 feet by feet it would be literally your feet like you'd be like okay 10 feet 11 feet and then you'll get to a day where someone's like look there's a there's a challenge and it's like maybe even just above your head but there's like a kind of moment i would say it's literally yeah when it's above head height where it becomes considerably scarier so most parkour will be trained under head height on curves Mm -hmm. on little things and then you you see something and then you go okay we're gonna do it and then all of a sudden it's a five foot jump which is half what you can do but you get up there and you're only above head height and you look at it and you're like fuck this i'm going home and six so, feet is pretty fucking high when you're standing up there yeah because it's, it's pretty high your, well five foot ten but you know i'll say six foot but yeah, yeah like plus plus the extra so you're actually you know 12 foot your head is so your eyes are at 12 feet right right um, so yeah it's, it's way scary but when you finally crack it you'll go through this thing of now i'm starting to get okay with heights <laughs> but it's very much some people are just naturally great at it but for me, it was like very measured and it would be a case of almost a tolerance. So if I didn't train at heights for like a month or something, it would drop straight back down. I'd be scared shitless hmm. of it. So it was like a kind of constant exposure therapy to be in, in scary situations. Climb A lot of climbing would do lots of climbing. Um, that would also help. But yeah, jumping at height is like either you're naturally very confident with it or you just through exposure. And to be honest, the best people tend to be just through exposure. They're just used to it. And to be honest, the high up parkour thing is really like, I'm going to say 2% of what people do. Most people train at kind of like a, what we'd say is like, a, you're not going to die at that height. It might hurt, but you're not going to die at that Right, height. right. Like skateboarding. You yeah. fall and maybe break your ankle at worst, but you're not going to die. Yeah, and like there was this one clip from back in maybe the 2000s skateboarding. 
Um, and it was what was his name? It's the water tower gap, and he did it on a skateboard. Um, it was just and he landed it. Yeah, it was. What's his name? I can't remember what his name is. If anyone in chat knows his name, but basically he did this big. It must have been twelve to thirteen foot, maybe fourteen foot um, skating gap. He just done an ollie over this tower gap, and it was like two high up water towers. And he landed it, rolled off. But to me, the most impressive part, right, was that he must have thrown his skateboard to his mates or something, and then he had to run back and jump the other way. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah I've seen that one. He's not a free runner, he's a skater. And he's just done a 14-foot running precision at height, having never done that before. To me, that blew my mind more than him doing the ollie, because... He ollie, was just like, choop. Yeah, the ollie was something he knew he could do. The running precision, yeah. I wouldn't ever do that running precision, and I've done parkour for 10 years. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, so, like, you went, you did all that skating. You said in one of your, in, like, the No Jumper interview, you said that you worked in skateboarding you did a job in skateboarding am i misunderstanding that yeah so well i my i did a magazine with uh, it was called flow flo which some people might remember from like the 2000s we did it was like decently it was like decently popular so it was a magazine at the time that had a dvd a cd and a magazine with it um which 411 and some other companies kind of copied but as far as i'm aware we were the first and uh, I did all the video content on there. So a company like Element or Quicksilver or, you know, whatever, you know, Roxy or something would pay us a couple thousand dollars to put to make a video segment for this DVD. And then we would distribute that DVD to, you know, uh, independent skate shops and record stores and stuff like that. And we did about one hundred and twenty five thousand copies of each issue, I think. And we did. Sure. We did maybe. 13 or 15 issues or something like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I started uh, on issue number six, I believe. Um, so yeah, that's that's that was sort of the, the work that I did. And so like a lot of these action sports companies, I, I named a few of them. I don't remember all of them, but a lot of like snowboard, um, snowboard, skateboard, uh, you had my surfing. Dream job. That was like the, the thing that probably got me into video making was the idea of doing something like that one day. Yeah, it was cool. Um, but that's another example of like, I quit doing it because... Um, it was like, it was actually the first few issues. It was amazing. Cause like, I could just do whatever the fuck I wanted, you know, because like in action sports, like there's no, there's no creative boundaries to what you can do as far mm -hmm. as like, you know, creative stuff goes. Um, and that was cool. But then after a while I made, I don't know, whatever, like 30 skate videos in a year or something. And I was like, I don't know. I'm out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a good problem to have. But I was kind of just like I was like tapped out, and I didn't have time because the volume of work was so high. I didn't have time to like chill out and recharge and think of new things. I was just kind of like, can I ask? I'm shot. It, I'm so curious, like what someone would get paid in that sector because our imagination. The reason I ask, I'm not just being rude, is like in parkour, you couldn't work as a videographer in parkour. That isn't a job that exists. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I got paid $3,000 an issue and we did four issues a year. So I got paid $12,000 a year to do that. Okay. Um, and granted, this was, you know, whatever, 2008 or something like that. But still, I mean, 12 grand a year in 2008 was still minimum wage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I did it because I, you know, I wanted the opportunity, you know, to our conversation before mm. I like, I was like, I don't care. I get to have a bunch of this stuff in my portfolio. Um, you know, that I can say I did this video for like Quicksilver, like we did a thing for, uh, they had a video called Elementality with like Bam Margera and Mike Vallely and a bunch of like Nigel Houston, I think before so you, when he like just came out, mm. you know, so like, who were some of the skaters you would have, you would have met and stuff. 
Um, I did a thing for uh, Rob Dyrdek opened a skate plaza outside Dayton, Ohio. I went out there for that. Um, and uh, we did stuff with like Ryan Sheckler when he was like a little kid. Oh, you know, I met like Ryan Sheckler, man. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. Oh, he was I like, met him now. So you met him when he was like a kid, when he was getting 14 famous. or something. Yeah, when he yeah, was yeah. famous. Yeah, and Nigel Houston when he was a little kid. Um, uh, Corey Duffel. Uh, I don't so know. Silly. I'd have to look. There's, I mean, I'd have to look. It's been so long. And with Nigel Houston, would you say you could have seen where he was heading? Did, was there anything obvious that he was going to be as sick as he is? Or? Um, I mean, the fact that at the time he was probably 13 or something and uh, at least as, as you know, competitive with like grown men, it's like, what the fuck? Imagine if this kid sticks with it for, you know, however long. And obviously he ended up being who he was yeah. a lot of surfing stuff, which I also didn't know anything about surfing at the time, but we did stuff with like, uh, Rob Machado and, uh, what's Jeff Curran and uh, a bunch of other people that I, like, I didn't know who any of these people were at the time, but that was cool. Cause I like watching surfing. I don't know anything about it, but yeah, I like watching. You know it. what? I don't know what it is. I fucking love all extreme sports and the one thing that I've just never really <clears throat> got is surfing. I think it's just because to me, it's like visually, it's just one thing constantly. And I don't see the nuances between the different variations. I don't but, either. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, like when I see skateboarding, like the different areas, I don't know. It's got this. Yeah. It's interesting to me, but funnily enough, surfing is like one of the biggest, probably the biggest. I don't know. It's probably not the biggest, but I just like the ocean. I mean, I grew yeah. up on the West coast and I grew up around the ocean my whole life and stuff. So I just like the ocean. So, okay, I wanted to talk about how, you know, because I guess if you're going from that, that's like skateboarding as a subculture kind of thing. And then yeah. what I'm very unaware about is really kind of like, the, it, would you call your genre of music that you're into? Is it just the general term? Is it hardcore? Is that, am I being stupid? Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm into a lot of stuff, but, I, you know, the, the scene, like, if you look at, the, like, the flyers behind me and stuff, like, the scene that I would say I was, like, the, the biggest part of that sort of contributed the most to who I am as a person was hardcore, yeah. Is that got any Ray William Johnson influence, the background? I, who? I don't know oh, who that is. Damn, he's, like, the OG YouTuber. He was the guy who used to do, like... Um, just roundups of internet shit back in like 2009 oh. and he had a I didn't I didn't like watch YouTube. YouTube at all until I started doing it <laughs> okay so how did, how did all right I don't want to jump completely but how did that moment happen then uh well I I felt like I should understand YouTube just for my job doing marketing uh because I had done I'd been like you know I did magazines and shit and then I did blogging after print started you know to become irrelevant and then as i saw youtube start to become you know kind of a thing i was like well i guess i should understand this and so i thought i'll make a channel and if i can get a couple thousand subscribers that would be enough for me to be like okay i, I understand how youtube works you know yeah. for my job and it ended up just becoming much bigger than that and i was like well i got this tiger by the tail i guess i should hang on and it was straight away it was to do with music it was that was the, the stuff that's first on your channel now that was the first stuff you made no, the first stuff I made was about business because that's sort of like actually like 
if you know me personally, I like never, ever, 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 ever talk about music. Like you could be around me for months and I would never talk about music. Uh, <laughs> business is kind of like the thing that I'm most interested in. Uh, and I started out talking about that, but nobody gave a shit because in hindsight, of course, it's obvious to me, like that's just not what people care about on YouTube. Um, and I was like, well, I've talked about music. I've written about music lots and I understand this and stuff. So um, maybe I'll try that. And that took off. So lesson there being that like in particular with YouTube, the thing that you think you're going to do when you start your channel out is almost certainly not going to be the thing that it ends up being. Yeah, very true. Very true. So hardcore as a blanket term then. Um, yeah. What's the... Are people into it in the same way? So that how you're into lots of different subgenres. Is it that you have a scene that follows one genre heavily or do most people sit where you do where they kind of appreciate the whole, the whole range of music? Uh, no, I think most people are more into like one particular subgenre. So how does your audience work when you're doing lots of different ones? Who are the people that watch you similar to you or is it that they might be into one and then you expose them to something else? Uh, I would say that I stick pretty, you know, to me, my genre is uh, if it's white men with guitars who were popular from like 1999 to 2007 or so. Uh, so kill switch, no go. <laughs> no, kill switch is uh, well. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, kill switch would work because. Yeah. Um, but but in all seriousness, my audience oftentimes gets mad if there's like women or black people in it really? or whatever. They tend to not like it. Damn. I don't think that they know that they're like this, by the way. Yeah. But if you look at the comments and stuff, you can tell. Like, if you bring up, say, you know, like, l go look at the comments in my video about No Doubt. You know, it's just, they get, it gets so ugly. Like, oh, Gwen Stefani's a fucking, you know, bitch. She destroyed that band and blah, 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 blah. And, like, you guys need to calm the fuck down. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like, I've noticed... Um like to be honest i make all my videos about dudes to be honest and i don't it's not you, i bet i was gonna say i bet if you made videos about women yeah they would I, probably perform badly and get negative what do comments. you think that is because i was thinking i think i was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day where it's like i think girl women will watch videos of men they'll watch like you know yep. if, if it was a story of some famous dude they'd watch that and they'd watch the video of the woman but i feel like guys mm -hmm. don't really i'm not really probably going to click on a video about i don't know like I don't know, the story of Taylor Swift or something, I'm probably less likely to click on that, but I would, I feel like most guys would just watch guys. Well, I don't know why. It does seem like there's a thing there. Maybe there is. Yeah. I've, uh, Patrick CC told me the same thing. Um, yeah, I think that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. Because he, I was actually thinking that when, when I was just saying, it. I was like, he had videos on Doja Cat and stuff, and I don't think I watched them. And I think they might have underperformed compared to his other stuff. And I wonder yep. what that is. Yeah. So you spoke to Patrick CC. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I interviewed him a couple years ago before he was like real big because he started out kind of in, in the emo rap world, which is where yeah. I know him from. So I followed him at like 5,000 subscribers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you remember him back yeah. then when and he was I, like hanging out garden and stuff. Yeah, that was it. And um, he he popped off this emo rap, I forget his name, or he helped pop him off. I don't know how big he got in the end, but he was kind of like a little peep. I'd say he was kind of like a... Gar garden is the guy's was name. Was that it? Garden? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that kind of time. Yeah, so I was into it. I've never spoken to him. I think I might have sent one DM that he replied to or something. Um, I'd like to try and chat to him because I, he's, a, he's, he, he's a really smart guy. Yeah, I really like his thumbnails and he he's cool how it's just so funny how he has two set like totally separate channels. Like his, mm -hmm. they don't really cross over a lot. Um, I really love his thumbnail style. I kind of don't really do the, I've started to try and move away from every video being 
totally doom and gloom like i feel i'm not saying he does that but i feel like most people in the video essay space it's all why the world's ending because this person posted a tiktok about it yeah and it's all that and it's well like, I mean, there's there's a thing in psychology called negativity bias which is that our our brains are literally programmed to have a higher recall rate and pay more attention to negative information which from an evolutionary perspective makes sense because it's more important for you to remember where the saber tooth tiger lives because it could kill you than yeah. to remember how pretty that flower was. And I, so I try and tap the, it. I try and tap it where I'll like maybe f make it look negative and it might touch on the negative half on it. But I always try typically yeah. to try and bring it back into a more rounded or positive story. But I do notice my overtly positive videos, they tend to underperform. If it's I hate that like yeah. failure porn stuff like yeah. Sunny V2, you know, the embarrassing downfall, blah, blah, blah. It's like, who the fuck are you to Dude. like throw stones at this person? All, all you fucking do is talk shit about other people that have accomplished more than you or I ever will. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, I, I, I want to make a video about... Um maybe I don't give away the title just in case someone's you know sneak maybe sunny two's in the corner but um yeah it's like I want to do a video on that kind of attitude of like these people whose whole career is to sit and wait for someone to fuck up and fall off and now I'm making content. I hate that shit man I hate it it's the new tabloid it's, it's the modern it day. totally is yeah. and it's, it's fucking pathetic like if you, if that's what you're doing with your life it's fucking pathetic and you should be ashamed of yourself it doesn't add anything to the world like I, I've thought I like dabbled in I did one video I did the to be honest, and I kind of feel bad about it in a way. I did the, when Liver King happened, I rushed to make a video on it because right. I was like, I'm going to chase this trend and put it out. And it done well, but I was like, I don't know if how good I feel about that, to be honest. Like, it, it just felt like, yeah, just it felt like eating the carcass of something. And it, to be fair, he's dumb. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Completely fine since that, but... Yeah, but, doesn't but it, feel, it doesn't... Yeah. Feel, I've done it a couple times too, and it doesn't feel good. You know, afterwards I was like, ugh. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And I was that guy, you know, and it doesn't feel good. Um, and, and I think there's a way, you know, to there, there's a way to talk about this, like you said, to sort of capitalize on the moment. Yeah. And, and it's totally fair. I mean, you know, Liver King lied and he's like a shady guy and all that stuff. And it's totally fair to point all that stuff out. But it's that sort of like you get the feel that it's some fucking nerd, you know, in the corner, like laughing and pointing when someone, you know, trips and falls. Yeah. Like that's the fucking vibe. I don't want I when hate the, that shit. Yeah, when the cool guy gets rejected, it's like, oh, you know, you know it'll perk oh, up. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, you're going to go home and fucking, you know, <laughs> jerk off to some fucking Twitch girl tonight. So who yeah. the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird genre. And it's like, it's, it's so pervasive. And, 
Yeah, there's just so many. Like, I try and do it with, you know, when I've done stuff like how, why Rollerblading died. But if you yeah. watch the video, you don't come away with it like, oh man, that was depressing shit. You come away with it with a massive appreciation for Rollerblading in its time. And, yeah, and you go, and, oh, that's interesting. I never wonder. Yeah, yeah. I watched that one. And then I was ends, like, oh, why, why did it die? And then it ends in a kind of, here's where it's going now. And I feel like you do that with your kind of, when you do the. Hey, everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media rise and fall of a genre it's not yeah. necessarily just like it may, it gives you appreciation i watched the one about smash mouth i think just not yeah long. yeah yeah and it's kind of like yeah I didn't, to be honest i didn't realize other songs were by smash mouth that were by smash mouth i kind of only knew by name the shrek tune um but there was other ones that's that a good happened. yeah that, that's a good example of one where i know what everyone wanted was for me to like dunk on that guy and call him you know a fat loser drunk blah 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 and make fun of all the things that he did yeah you know all the weird shit he said on twitter and this is before he died which makes me very like first of all i didn't want to do that and i wouldn't do it hmm. but um, now imagine if he died a couple months after i made that video now imagine if i had made a video the day you know off. just <laughs> yeah yeah dunking on the guy and then he dies a couple months later yeah. remember you know his family they use youtube yeah you know they're going to see this shit. It's so weird how people are so detached from, like, I, I have a, a personal example when I was working in marketing prior to YouTube, and we made these videos of, like, how much can I say about sort of... So we made videos in a certain sector of transport where people kind of um, really enjoyed tweaking their vehicles or whatever. And yeah. one of the dudes, he'd done a great job. He'd done this all this artwork. It was amazing. It was really meaningful. It was about his dad and, like, you know, had connections to his his father had passed away and he was fat and I'll you know I'm not gonna hide it he was a big boy and I thought you know I film it yeah there's gonna be like two three comments of dickheads like pointing that out but literally it got so bad every single comment the video went viral probably because he was like bigger yeah. and there was so many comments just endlessly harassing it was horrible and I was sat there like we made this video because it was cool and it was emotional it was nice and all the comments, yeah, just berating and berating. He got so upset, he had to ring us because we obviously we filmed him in it. And it, and like, I think his mom like called it. It was fucking sad. And we took the video down and shit. Yeah. And it was just awful. Like, people that, yeah, the, the internet thing, I know, it, again, it's kind of tripe to say, but it is like uh, the, the internet comment section and just like this kind of pervasive negativity that exists on the internet sucks. <laughs> That's not. And it does affect people. Yeah. Like, I made a video about Bam Margera also. Which, of course, you know, when you make a video about Bam, what what everyone wants is for you to, you know, highlight everything, you know, oh, he got fat and he's on drugs and this, that and the other. And uh, and I didn't want to do that because what I wanted to point out is like recognize that Bam basically single handedly created this whole genre of content, which is still around today. Yeah. You know, like how many of these basically like prank channels or these channels, you know, like Logan Paul and shit, basically that's like sort of executing on the jackass template and so that's what i wanted to point out in the video yeah and uh and i did and of course i mentioned like look you know he's had some problems with drugs and mental health and stuff like that but you know what i want to focus on is 
this creative contribution he made. And I don't want to say who it was, but somebody close to him DM'd me and it was like, oh, Bam and I watched that video the other day. It was awesome. Thank you for, That's you know, thank you for pointing these things out about him. And, you know, who does he really care what I think? Probably not. But, you know, you got to think the person you're talking about, they may very well see it. And would you be proud you know, I don't say anything that I wouldn't say to someone's face. Mm. You know, if someone's a real fucking piece of shit, I'll say it in a video. And I would also say it to their face, yeah. you know, like the guy, you know, there's a guy from this band called As I Lay Dying that tried to have his wife killed. I think that dude's a piece of shit. And I would say that to his face and I'll say it in a video too. But um, that's my rule. Would I say it if that person was sitting right next to me? That's a great principle to have. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a strong way of doing it. And like, you know, there is that little edge where, you know, you might make jokes or something in the video. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's generally, yeah, you have to feel like you can stand by your words. And it's this whole thing where like, you know, you've probably dev- like dabbled in the political space and that. And I feel like there's this annoying thing at the moment where it's like, um, the, the sort of idea of I can say what I want because it's my right and I get that I fucking fundamentally get yeah. that but when that overlaps into just being a shit person and just saying horrible yes. things one of the big moments for me and I don't you, you, if you're not like a political person online totally get it you'd have to talk about it but one of the big things for me was like when Jordan Peterson um, there was this like lady who did like a, you know she was a big girl again and she was on a cover of a magazine and he said something yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah yeah not beautiful it's like dude that's just not a nice thing to say it doesn't matter if you're right about the woke thing blah 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 just saying to someone I saw you- the tune I was just like fuck you yeah. man first of all you're like 60 years old <laughs> yeah like and would you have said it to her face you wouldn't he would have never said that and even if he would like that only makes him even more of an asshole yeah and it's the fact that yeah now we're in this weird space where yes, we should have our right and we need to be able to have our right to speak, but it doesn't mean that being a dick and saying stupid, shitty things is like heroic. It's not heroic. It's still shitty. You're just doing it in yeah. a time where it's more taboo to do it. Um, and it's, The yeah. sad part is that it's the fastest way to build a following on the internet is yeah. by talking shit about people who are more successful than you. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a lot of incentives to do it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a crazy one. Anyway, I wanted to go because we, we sort of went on a good tangent, but I wanted to go back to what I was kind of originally yeah. getting. It was So we were talking about hardcore and I want to kind of understand like the subculture of that because I just, I always think when it comes to subcultures, it's one of the only one that to me, you can kind of tell someone who's in that scene now. Whereas if someone's a skater, it could just be a fashionable fucking posy dude. Um, it, there's like, but metal, it's like, it's clear. This guy has tattoos. He's kind of like got, I don't know, facial hair or something. I can always sort of tell. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious what you think about it, it as a subculture and a type of person. What is the type of person attracted to it, etc. that kind of thing. Well, so uh, without getting too far into the weeds, hardcore and metal are, are different things. So like hardcore is kind of a part of punk and, and not metal. Um, and, and that matters because, okay. you know, like hardcore people dress like me, right? Like they look fairly normal. Like mm-hmm. they would wear a hoodie and like, you know, vans or something like that. They're not maybe doing like, like a bit the, of band merch or something. Yeah, maybe, but maybe not, you know, and like, so whereas metal people might have, you know, the long hair and the beards and all that sort of thing. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing metalheads. Yeah, probably so. Like, you know, hardcore people maybe dress more like skaters or something like that. And the difference is that one thing about hardcore. So you ask what kind of people get into it. um, Hardcore is for sure the most like physically violent genre of like rock music. 
Um, especially back in the 90s and 2000s, there was a fight at every show I went to. You know, you can, there's an episode of Gangland about this gang called FSU that was like popular back then. And so, you know, that's a video right there, right? Yeah, yeah, Gangland. Uh, there's another one called Courage Crew, which is some guys I was friends with. And, you know, there's uh, like back in Salt Lake City in the 90s, you know, you look up on, on the news, there was people getting stabbed and shit like that at hardcore shows all the time. And, um, and uh, so hardcore, I think, you know, attracts people who are maybe a little bit uh, more okay with, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, right or wrong, that's just part of the culture. Um, and uh, a lot of metal people sort of don't like that, understandably. But I think it's sort of interesting that, you know, metal is probably looks more extreme and they might have lyrics about, you know, whatever, like demons and wizards and, you know, whatever. But they don't tend to actually be like physically violent people. Hardcore is much more likely to be that. Hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know why I sort of like... You know, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's interesting. People who are into hardcore, you know, they, they can be that, but they're also some of the most like productive people. Like it, it, any business that you think about, like any sort of entrepreneurial business, there's like a very high chance that somebody involved with it came from the hardcore scene where even though it's like not a large scene, you know, for some reason, like hardcore people are just like really good entrepreneurs. I don't know why they're like everywhere. That's so interesting to me. So, um, Okay, yeah, the big distinction you made there was like metal and hardcore, are two different things. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and obviously yeah. we're splitting hairs, but yeah. you know, being that you talk about subcultures, you understand that yeah, the new ones. You know, like longboarding and skateboarding are not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy in the comment, one mank, the boy one mank, he's a legend. He's not this guy. Uh, was it okay. was it metal or hardcore fans that invented the death wall, the wall of death? The wall of death. Um, I, I would say, uh, yeah, I would I would say that's a hardcore thing. Uh, he said Lamb of God popularized it. So Lamb of God is definitely from the hardcore scene. They, they're sort of called a metal band, um, but they're from the hardcore scene for sure. Um, they started out as a band called Burn the Priest back in the 90s that, you know, kind of came from like the, the Richmond sort of hardcore punk kind of scene. And without just being blatantly offensive, is people in, are people in like the hardcore scene, no wait, it was, it was the metal scene, I'm getting it mixed up. Uh, <laughs> were are they? Would you say there's like you know the one that you were saying was more aggressive? I think you said okay. yeah, yeah. Hardcore would be the more violent one. Would you get people who are like the sort of anarchists, the people who maybe they like hitchhike around the country? I'm trying to think like what is that type of person? Are they working office jobs? Like, would you mean? Uh, yeah. So what you're talking about is like th those would be more along along the lines of like crust punks. Crust punks. I've heard the kind of pe you're the the people that like hop trains and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't that know why yeah. I, I'm linking that. Yeah, I'm just vaguely... yeah the train hoppers. Okay. Yeah. Crust punks. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other. I mean, uh, dude, crust punks is like that's one of the, that's one of the like legitimately most dark, sad kind of scenes. Like, if you were to look into that, I would wager that almost every single one of those people. Um, endured some sort of really horrible childhood trauma. And so if you wonder, like, why are they, like, basically homeless, like, hopping trains and, like, you know, shooting dope and stuff every night and, you know, like, essentially speed running, you know, uh, an early death, I would imagine almost all of them, you know, had some sort of horrible childhood trauma, unfortunately. Is this the one where someone told me that there was a genre of music where there are celebrities who are very famous making lots of money that, like, literally are still homeless doing drugs or something like that? Is that crust punk or...? Uh, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't ring a bell to me because there's really nobody famous doing crust punk. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? Uh, so I'm not, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think very, I very, met very a small. randomly met a dude and he was telling me there's a genre of music where some of the biggest people in it are still homeless doing heroin, and it's like it's. I mean, so cool, th- yeah, though that that would be true of them, but okay. there's like yes, that would be true, but there's nobody making any money off of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there's like some really fucked up people. Like it's I've been around a lot of those people, and it's just it's too much for me to handle. I can't do it. And do you do you touch into any of uh? Like I've seen some of your videos where maybe you you might talk on like emo rap and stuff like that do you in, in your personal life do you listen to music outside of that uh out like do i listen to emo rap? yeah that stuff's great i think that was some of the coolest music like i've ever heard like the you know say 2013 to 2019 yeah like soundcloud you know emo rap stuff was fucking awesome i think that's some of the coolest music ever made uh, yeah i really loved like i think it was where young lean came into it mm-hmm. and that was like a sick like i, I was always more into hip-hop and I don't know if you know a lot about like UK rap or UK hip hop or grime or anything like that. I don't know if you're very, very little. Um, it's just, uh, <laughs> have you seen that one? Uh, I don't know what show it's from. There's the guy, he's like, uh, it's like some TV show. It's a skit where he's making fun of it. He's like, call my man Dennis because he's a menace. Is it? Man's have you seen not that hot. one? It's not the two man's. Yeah, hot. yeah, that yeah, might yeah. that might be it. <laughs> that, that's what all British rap sounds like oh, to me. Just I just, I just can't do it. Killing me. <laughs> I just can't do it. Man's not uh, hot. But was the big, I, if that's the tune you mean, it was the biggest. Uh, I think the biggest drill song in history and it was a parody it fucking sucked but it was a great tune but yeah <laughs> I don't know if that's the one but I, it is I, I think it's interesting though I mean I, I watched your videos about it and stuff and I've I've been interested in a lot of like British subcultural stuff for a long time going back to like I discovered um, I guess this was like sometime in the 2000s I discovered Danny Dyer um, and, and hey, I'm Chabs. doing a video on Danny Dyer at the, or like kind of in that realm on Danny Dyer at the moment oh yeah i'm, I'm right. excited it's about i so discovered we could sorry mate to try it's, it was like the tv hard man era it was like an yes era. yes yeah. yes what were you gonna say i was in i became uh i got real into danny dyer and ross kemp um, <laughs> you're literally talking about my video this is ridiculous i love i still love ross kemp he's a um, yeah, he's a savage yeah, he's awesome. And then uh, I discovered Chavs, which I know you have a video about. Yeah. And specifically, I got into. Do you remember Donk? Yes. Like well, Blackout like Bad Crew. Bad Boy Chiller Crew. Um. No, yeah, Blackout Crew. Yeah. 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 Um. But a bit of bounce. Yeah. What's the yeah. shit? I'm gonna keep it. Put a Donk on simple. it. Was there? I big intend one. to make your brain donk, tremble. Donk, 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 donk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. And yeah. it had Devo in it. Oh, yeah. I think so I, I got all it, the I, verse to that Blackout Crew song. I loved it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I, I got sort of into that. And I remember Vice did this show, did an episode about uh, the town they're from is Wigan, I think. Right. Okay. I didn't know that. What Vice? Oh, you just, oh, the Blackout Crew. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's, um, it, they did this episode about Wigan. And huh. I sort of went down the rabbit hole of like, um, I guess, I guess, what, what would you call those type of people? Yeah. They're, they're chavs for sure. They're chavs. They're like, and in it, that, in that era, they were like, um, I don't know how it worked, man, because I remember seeing some of them, but they were not getting radio play, and you wouldn't hear no. them anywhere. But I would go on YouTube, and they'd have millions and millions of views. I don't know where any of them are now, and I'm realizing this is a video topic. <laughs> Probably not in a good place, would be my yeah, guess. Yeah, but yeah. But they, they, so I videos with... were glossy, though. That's the thing I was kind of confused they were. about. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I worked with a bunch of British people at the time. Uh, at the time, I was a graphic designer for Abercrombie & Fitch, and for some reason, we hired a lot of British people. And so I would always ask them about this stuff and they'd just be like, they're like, well, why do you want to know about Wigan? Like, oh yeah, my aunt lives there. It's awful. Why do you want to know about that place? Man, you've um, really kind of opened. Yeah, I'm going to make a note of that because I've not even thought about like 
Blackout Crew. So you know, do you know about their new group called Bad Boy Chiller Crew? Uh, no. So I think there's a rise. I might be wrong here. There's a rise in like that kind of era of donk but the beats aren't donk but it's the same style of rapping where it's like okay. a northern guy and he's rapping like this and like this yeah. and it's it's like that over kind of more housey colourful beats and they're right. kind of more yeah and they're getting massive mainstream success they're like really big Vice actually did a video on them as well um, okay yeah uh, Bad Boy Chiller Crew and it's that whole era was I guess yeah northern chavs who somehow, and now, yeah, now we're talking about, I know this has to be a video, but it's like somehow got some budget, somehow got signed to something that right. had money. I don't know where their videos were being played. They were getting millions of views. I, yeah. It was Around the World was the label that put all that stuff out, I think, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's what it was. Okay. Uh, I also got into, uh, I guess they're called Travelers. Travelers like gypsies. Yeah. And so they had what some reality show where they all lived in these caravans and like would you know the, uh, yeah i was into Big that i don't remember the name wedding of it. or something like that it was not that but it was you know around that same sort of era that's so um, funny we had so yeah. many good documentaries back in the 2000s and where... Jordy shore okay yeah 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 how do you know this have you been to england <laughs> no i feel like i'm being a nardward at the moment with just like no. <laughs> references to my no you, you see this is why i like your videos is because like i'm very into like learning about subcultures that i don't know anything yeah. about and uh, so i found all these sort of like you know kind of oddball like you know when when americans think about british stuff they don't think about any of this stuff right yeah um and i just Harry sort of Potter. discovered this and i was i was like oh this is really interesting people yeah. have no idea that this even exists i want to learn everything about it damn man yeah you know um do you know devo do you remember devo i sort of mentioned it maybe loosely in my chat video the name i don't so uh, it's like, yeah, yeah devo was it. like again it was like this internet early 2000s internet sensation where it was just a northern guy and he talks like this mate you're fucking dickhead and he would have like his yeah 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 Burberry on and it was this parody thing and it was it was through a guy called david firth who made salad fingers if you remember salad okay fingers. some yeah. creepy internet shit and he made this thing and he got on like television he started having a bit of a career and it was like before that was really like an avenue to be a content creator and he was really popular online and then eventually he couldn't make money out of it went into a normal life became a teacher and like many years later all these old videos resurfaced and he got fired from his job oh. but he was one of this he my point the link there was that he was in a bad boy chiller no a blackout crew video he was in put a dog okay. on it yeah so yeah, it's crazy all these little little intricacies. I always think the same of America though. Like I think when you're a British child, you grow up watching American shit, so you kind of have awareness of certain things. Uh, but then when a channel like Andrew Five, Andrew Callahan, yeah. Channel Five, when that comes along, that's really cool because that's like showing the side of America that you know Cartoon Network Network weren't trying to show us. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what part of America you said you're from? Uh, I'm from the Seattle area. Okay, and that, so Northwest. And Seattle is like, is it kind San of Francisco. Hip, hipstery sort of thing, or how do you describe the culture? Uh, so yeah, like, yeah. Seattle is basically like San Francisco, essentially. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, I'm kind of picturing for for me that's hipsters and technology. Yeah, hipsters and yeah, that's what it is. It's it's. <laughs> Rich tech people and hipsters. It wasn't like that when I was a kid, um, but that's what it's like now. And the scene of like uh, hardcore and all that sort of stuff, is that big there? Sorry, I'm being no, so stupid. I know nothing about it. No, 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 I mean, how would you know anything about the Seattle hardcore scene? Okay, yeah. Uh, no, Seattle is actually a really bad city for music. A lot of people think 
may, may think otherwise because, you know, we had Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and all that stuff in the 90s. Um, but it's actually a really bad city for music. Number one, because if you look at the map of the United States, Seattle is way up in the very northwest corner and there's no other cities that are close to it. So like Portland is kind of close, but it's not a big city. So a lot of bands won't go there on tour because it's so far out of the way. Hmm. And also it's really expensive to live here. So, you know, if you're a musician, you probably can't afford to live here. So it's actually kind of a bad place for music it's interesting in america stuff being so regional because we don't experience that really in england it's like if you're big in england you're big in england you're not big in london you're probably big all over uh, whereas america right. yeah it's like we always had the thing you've kind of got me in that 2000s thing now we 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 had this thing where we were always trying to break America. So we'd always send, we'd get, <laughs> we would like find a dude who could rap half decent and we'd be like, America take him. We'd send him to America and he'd go there uh-huh. and his soul would be just crushed because America's hate, American hated us. Like they didn't, they did not fuck with our music early days. Yeah. I, it's interesting though with drill now is that yeah. we sort of took, so the the drill that I, you know, for the the beginning of the term drill, I remember being around like 2010 or so, like Waka Flocka and stuff. Drill, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and yeah, well, yeah, even before that, like Waka Flocka and then like Chief Keef and stuff. Yeah. But then um, there was this other, so then there's like the Brooklyn drill and Bronx drill and all that stuff, which was, I don't know how this happened, but somehow like people from New York basically imitating uh, London drill. Yeah, well, it was, I think it was, uh, I'm not an expert, but um, you had, it, yeah, about 2015, 2016, you had, what was the, the group name? There was like a beef in, I think it was Peckham or some shit, I can't remember. There was these two groups and they kind of made this new sound. Of, I'm trying to trying to completely remember this. Traplor of, Ross probably has a video yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's four hours long it's with four, nine million views. And he's got some weird haircut, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that happened, and then I think it was Pop Smoke. I think it was yeah. when Pop Smoke came back, and it was the change of the rolling 808s. We love the sliding 808s, which I think probably right. is linked to like our history with drum yes. and bass and stuff like that. Where yeah. like, and so we did that, and it was the hi-hats. It was the... But also that like grime flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forget who it was. I think it was Digger D who did the first drill flow, which is a... It was like yeah. a certain flow that just sat on the beat so well, and then everyone just copied that, and that is now the drill flow. And yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. And then now it's back in America. They've taken it. Yeah, it's like you sent the beats, we edited them, and then sent them back, and then you guys were like, all right. And so that's kind of where it sits now. And yeah, now exactly. finally, UK rappers get like get some radio play. I think even Central C might be big in America, which is cool. Yeah, no, he is. He is. Yeah, and I think he's probably the. He's probably the first British rapper I can think of that sort of has uh, success and credibility here. Like, I mean, maybe like Skeptica. I was going to say Skepta, yeah. He might have had some success, but like, I don't think people really care about him. But like Central C, like, for sure. So Central C is the cousin, is the grand, is maybe the cousin or like he's related to nephew. That's the one. He's the nephew of a guy called Dappy. If I'm not mistaken, this is what I heard. And Dappy was in a group called the called N Dubs, which was a shitty. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, yeah. And they they were on around the world with uh, Blackout Crew, I believe. Okay, and that was when yeah. I was saying about how we sent our musicians to America. N Dubs were one of the ones that we sent, right. and in America were like, "You can take that nope. back." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it thirty day returns on this? I'm hoping. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, rightfully um, so. 
So uh, one of the uh, pieces of content, maybe you'll remember this, that really got me into this stuff was the Danny Dyer episode where he goes to talk to that um, that gypsy guy that's like a boxer. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. They are vaguely, vaguely. Yeah, go on. That, and, and that made me, it's like the moment in every single Danny Dyer episode where like he always makes it act like something really bad is about <laughs> yeah. to happen and he's scared. He's like, you know, and there's like, he seemed like a right nice geezer. Then he, oh, he did a runner. Cool <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. hell. I had to get the fuck out of there. He, he would do yeah, that. He, there was one time he walked into a pub, mate. I did a whole live stream on this because I'm researching for a video. He walked into a pub. They were all very nice to him. And he, right. he was going in being like, and he does this thing where it's like, I don't know if you can tell, um, but like he is fake Cockney. Although he is Cockney, he just seems fake. It seems like he's putting it on. Because oh. he'll like. I, no, I can't tell, but that's interesting. To me, it's like, it's so clear. He is. He. He uses all of the expressions of a Cockney geezer too much. It's like saying, oh, oh lit on God, no cat. It's like, dude, are you going right, to say it? Right. Yeah, it's like he would do it too much in one sentence. And so he was going right. in there being like, right, I've gone down the old bubble with the old boys and I'm seeing a couple few and they look at me in the ones and two. He would just say shit, I don't know. And he's like, right, 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 right. And this guy who is a Cockney guy is looking at him like, just relax, Danny, relax. And then, <laughs> right, you don't have to do this. Yeah, yeah, just take a breath. Like, And then there was a bit where yeah, he comes out of the pub and he goes, yeah, it looked like they were going to fucking scrap in a minute, so I had to get out there. Literally, they're just drinking. They're just chilling. <laughs> right. like, yeah, he's insane. I, I want to make a video. So when I was doing this TV Hardman live stream, I was watching Danny Dyer and I couldn't, I went from just researching this era to just psychoanalyzing Danny Dyer and I was finding like, I was trying to find an interview of him in like the 90s where he couldn't have been like that, he couldn't have been that guy. But like, I don't know, the more I went into it, it seems like I think he is like a, um, what do they call it, that type of actor where you go into character and you stay in character. Method actor. He's a method actor, I'm sure of it. A deep, okay. deep, you know, I'm kind of exaggerating, but it, to me, yeah, it yeah. seems like he's a method actor. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting that you're into that. So, did you have that in America? You had um, you had Doug the Bounty Hunter, but I don't know if that would really be akin to no. like Ross Kemp. No, well, I mean, there might be something. I don't know. Um, but Ross Kemp, I like legitimately think Ross Kemp is really good. Yeah. Like Danny Dyer is just a clown, but he's funny. Yeah. Um, but Ross Kemp, I think, actually does really good work. And he seems like a cool guy. He's a very good journalist. Like I went into watching his videos when I was doing it on stream. Um, I feel like I'm advertising my stream on my stream. But when I was doing it on my stream, I was watching him and just thinking like he I thought he was a bit... Uh, I always had this memory of him being too hard on people, but he actually really gave people a fair like shake of the whip. Like, yeah, yeah, he he was very good at asking compelling questions and not asking. Um, he he could ask the provocative question. You know how like Louis Farouk can ask a provocative question and get away with it. Ross Kemp also yeah. somehow had a way of doing that, and they were totally different approaches. Like Louis Farouk takes the dumb Englishman kind of thing yeah right right he's just a non-threatening clown yeah and ross kemp is kind of like the i wouldn't even say disapproving dad it just has maybe a bit more of like a fatherly thing to him and it doesn't seem like he's confrontational and he's yeah, very he would just be like now jimmy are you sure are you sure this is what you want to do with your life tell me why you're like this yeah and he asked him like well let me explain there was a bit where he asked these like london gangsters he was like um you know, what do you think about this random kid who got killed? Random, like, random kid, and it was talking to these gangsters. And they were putting a lot of bravado on. They were like, yeah, whatever, bro. It's kind of how it is in these ends. Like, if I'd do it myself. And then they, and then he asked him, how, do you know anyone who's been killed? And he's like, yeah, my brother. And he was like, how did that make you feel when that happened? And he was like, 
yeah, fine, mate. It sucks. <laughs> like his whole demeanor <laughs> dropped, and like Ross Kemp right, just right. got through him in this. Yep. Yeah, it's so it was sick. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think America did that TV hard man thing really. Like the documentarian go out. We had Vin Vinny Jones was another guy we had. He wasn't quite doing it as much, but yeah, we had this whole era. It was like dominating television for two thousands. And I appreciate it. I watched as much of it as I could. Yeah, I want to go you through. Go ahead, sorry. Man. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to go through like a couple questions people ask. So I had yeah. uh, Jacko two fifty, and he wants to know if you're into Grebo. It was a '90s British music scene, and he'd like to see. It. Um, let me. I I looked. Is that the stuff from Manchester? I yeah oh that's yeah yes it is that that's like um emf and stuff like that okay. uh jesus jones um yeah midlands so probably yeah yeah okay yeah i don't i don't know any of these specific so talents but um itself uh, yeah yeah um i think that stuff aesthetically is really cool like yeah i i actually i think that stuff is cooler it was not popular here and I didn't care about it at the time. Cause I just wanted to listen to like suicidal tendencies or something. Um, but, uh, okay. Here's someone correcting me. The yeah, EMF he, he also, from Manchester. It's, he also made why me laugh because he's, he's re referring to, uh, Danny Dyer in the comment above that. And he played a character yeah. in human trafficking. And he reckons he's never come out of that character. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, in any case, yeah, that stuff's cool. Um, I didn't care about it at the time. Um, but I appreciate it a lot more now. We used to use the word Grebo. I didn't even know it was a music genre. We used to use it to like talk about, it was kind of emos before emos. So like the dirty, yeah, like I guess probably what you and the boys were listening to. A lot of people yeah. would refer to them as Grebos. It'd be like, okay, they're all Grebos. Um, another question we had was, is, is punk dead? Who is new? Who killed punk? What is different about punk now versus early 2000s? This is a lot of questions. Have studded belts always been a good predictor of posers? Was 80s glam rock more fun? Just, you know, let's go with punk. There's a lot of questions there. Yeah. So punk, uh, in my opinion, punk as a genre of music uh, has probably been dead since the 90s. I mean, the last like punk band to come along and really break out um, would probably be either Green Day or Offspring, which is, you know, like the, the mid-90s. And I don't really think anything has come along since then that, like, really updated that sound or look or anything like that. I think punk is sort of frozen in time, but it happens to every genre, you know. Um, it, 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 like, pick pick the genre. It doesn't matter. There's some point at which, like, it's executed at the highest possible level, and nobody's ever going to do it better. I mean, like, you know, take take like thrash metal or whatever like nobody's ever going to do it better than you know metallica and megadeth or whatever and mm. and so is thrash metal still alive is punk still alive sure there's bands that sound like punk but you know they're just sort of imitating what was done uh you know 20 30 40 50 years ago yeah now at this point almost 50 years um and that's that's fine that's not a bad thing but to me it's sort of like not that interesting if it's just a recreation of something that was done decades before personally i kind of felt like that after a little bit with machine gun kelly i liked it for a little while and then it just felt a bit like you know you're trying on your old dc shoes again it's like yeah, yeah. right right I, <laughs> yeah yeah i get what you're saying about punk yeah it's like i was thinking though when you were saying that i have this understanding and i might be incorrect is that drum and bass was really big in like perhaps yep. the 90s and it really yeah, I, I loved I, that shit back then yeah and i felt like drum and bass massively dipped off in public opinion but its underground scene was massive like you yep. could be a major drum and bass artist 
maybe there was Chasing Status had like a popular song. And I really thought it was never going to come back. But then right now, drum and bass has kind of come back. And it took like, I'm going to say like 30 years for it to kind of come back. And I guess there was a few... But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. What led to that happening was, I think, Jump Up was a new style of drum and bass. It was just where they changed the second high, uh, second snare. So it was like... It was like oh, a little, okay. little yeah, different. Yeah. And then the melodies yeah. kind of changed with it. It become more anthemy, uh, more right. like... Yeah, maybe like you could akin it to Big Room House in the 2010s, right, Martin right. Garrick's like lead melodies kind of thing. Right. And yeah, that kind of changed and a few things on TikTok popped it off again. So I wonder if punk will ever have a similar-ish trajectory of it just going dormant for a while and then coming back to me. I don't know. You're saying, though, you think it really kind of peaked like it couldn't be. Well, I think there's a lot of things that Sonic, uh, to me, there's a lot of things that you could say are punk. Like, for example, there's a rapper called NASCAR Aloe that's like obviously like very punk. Um, And to me, there's a lot of other things or City Morgue or something like that, which I would say all of those things were like the new version of punk Mm. to me. Um, But punk fans don't see it that way. And so... I guess it's not punk. <laughs> they say it's not punk. Who who are the biggest artists in your sort of sector of the music industry that you would say are the most mainstream, most marketable? Uh, hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, Everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Sleep Token probably would be the biggest one right now. Never heard You know, as far as newer artists. That's why I'm so fascinated Um, by this genre whenever people talk to me about it, because to me it feels so hidden from mainstream. Oh, it is. It's not big. It's not big. And people get... Now, to be fair, Sleep Token, I mean, they sold out Wembley Arena in like 10 minutes. So that's legit. Okay. Um... 
but yeah i mean they're not they're not big i mean they have like you know uh i don't know three million monthly listeners on spotify which respect that's a lot of people but you know compared to actual mainstream artists like doja cat or something who have yeah. like 50 million you know it, they got a ways to go but i would say sleep token is probably the biggest breakout artist in my kind of world in the past few years and where do people like bring me the horizon set are they just too mainstream to care about their different genre like where did... no well they're just i mean they're 20 years old now so i would consider them a different generation but yeah they're i mean they're the biggest in the genre for sure i just didn't include them because they're so old oh, okay oh, okay you're talking about up and comers kind of thing yeah but for sure yeah bring me the horizon is like feel, the biggest i feel like bring me the horizon is probably one of the only ones if you spoke to just the most normie normie norman you'd probably say oh i know about bring me the horizon that's probably, yeah. yeah in the uk but not here oh really no okay. they might know can you feel my heart from tiktok maybe <laughs> okay right yeah and that's what I've, I've heard you talk about you know what I'm, i don't want to go too far on different topics and stuff but i've heard you talk about um on mainly on your instagram and it fascinates me how you balance all the different platforms and i'm guessing you were saying you've got somebody who helps you with that yeah um but you talked about it i think on your instagram about how um metal and, and like hardcore kind of music in general doesn't really embrace social media in the same way that lots of other yeah jobs. they hate it yes and yeah and do you think okay, that will I mean, yeah do you think that will change or it will, surely someone will come along and go boys let's just fucking put out a tiktok dance yeah i mean you yeah it i don't know it's a whole conversation there's a lot of users that do this stuff um uh there there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of individuals who are making tiktoks and stuff about this kind of music like that's how sleep token kind of blew up is hot girls made thirst trap tiktoks about them um <laughs> but the artists themselves don't really embrace it and i think that's sort of uh, a mistake on their part i get it i mean if you don't like TikTok, you don't like TikTok, but it's kind of like you can't really complain that your music is not as popular as you would like it to be and then also refuse to do the things that would make it popular, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Parkour had this kind of teething problem for a while where it was like um, there was a few, there was a team called Stora who started popping off on YouTube and everyone was just super reluctant to do vlogs. And it was like vlogs were seen right. as selling out. And then it became like the meta and everyone does it. And it's like, oh, vlogs are great, vlogs are sick. But yeah, it took a while because it's that core audience in the beginning where it sees every yep. every attempt at trying to not be working at Tesco's and then doing parkour in your free time. Any attempt at doing that is seen as, yeah, sacrilegious. Yep. So uh, there's, I forget who came up with this, uh, some skateboarder. Oh, no, it's Bobby Hundreds. That's who it is. He has a, a term for this, core and poor. So he's <laughs> yeah. like, go ahead. You want to stay core and poor? Yeah. Go for it. And it's always what is, to me, always quite funny is when people do step out and do something. So my video on Tire Creator is effectively this. When people step out and do something, they get hated in the beginning. And then it's 10 years later, everyone's doing it and they appreciate that person for being like the pioneer. But in the yep. early days. But it takes 10 years. Yeah, yep. it is like that. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, you got to eat shit and be hated for 10 years. Yeah, Tyler was loved for sure. But like, yeah, there was a lot of people that didn't love him. There was a lot of people. And I was one of them. I literally saw him as just like this faddy kind of thing. And now. Like, like when Goblin came out, like that yeah, kind of era? I, I, yeah. yeah, in my video, I was saying how like I didn't get him on the come up. And then when it was over, like 2016, when like Odd Future was done. I looked right. back and I got into it and I was like, man, I fucked up. I didn't watch it in the era. like, And it was, it yep. was a cool moment in, in history. Um, yeah, it's that thing. It's that core audience, man. They're, they're, the, 
they're the thing that makes it and also the thing that breaks it in a way but yep that's uh, exactly right yeah so heard of someone uh, one mank band said heard of soft play they supported prodigy have you heard of soft play they supported prodigy i have not sorry ever heard of nihilist the old death metal band that turned into entombed you're gonna yes have to, you're gonna have to clear that one up Vizand. um i think they turned into entombed i could be wrong about that but the old death metal band yeah okay yeah, I mean, I know nothing, so I'm literally nothing to yeah. add to that. <laughs> I have a few questions that came from on Instagram, so let me just give you some of these. I have a call in 10 minutes, so... Uh, let's speed run. Let's like, speed run. Yeah, let's speed run it. Uh, <laughs> why does UK music shit bollock, shit all over US bollocks? Just saying, what, uh, do you think UK music better or no? <laughs> uh, well, listen, it could be worse. At least it's not, uh, at least it's not French music. <laughs> Or German music. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to French drill. That'll, that'll drop. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants that to happen. No, 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 no. Um, or Belgian. I, I don't know what this... You know, Belgians actually did one thing, which was they, they were the drummer bass. They made Belgian drummer bass, which was Jump Up, which was what Spider did. So they did. Oh, I didn't know they made that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do like that I stuff. I don't know why not one. I have a mate who's a DJ, so I'm not that smart, to be honest. It's just... I've just heard him drunk tell me this shit a thousand okay. times, and it's sort of gone... Uh-huh. Um, when is the Costco trip video coming out? I don't know what, if that's a reference. Oh, I used to make vlogs and I stopped because uh, nobody liked them. Uh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, what's your top five songs of all time? You can do for top three. Uh, I'll, I'll go with... Um, oh, fuck. I don't know. Um, as far as like rock stuff goes, I'll say uh, maybe like uh, Smash Your Enemies by Hatebreed. Uh, uh, what's my uh, yeah, uh, what's my age again by Blink 182 and uh, maybe Live Fast Diarrhea by the Vandals. I'm gonna ask my question What do you think of the Blink 182 return? Do you think it's shit or cool? Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, it's not they're they're not at their best, but they're not at their worst either. I mean, for being you know, for being 50 years old and surviving cancer and you know, all that, I mean, I think that sounds good. Like, it's not the very best, but it's it's good do you think the sounds me, developed do you think the sounds evolved i feel like it's quite similar it's sort of rehashing yeah i think it's it's kind of similar but i you know again you know they're they've been a band since 1992 can we really yeah true like what do we expect you know we need like a jay-z of of like that sort of era like uh, you know how jay-z evolved and started talking about different stuff and that was kind of cool um one last question then. so why doesn't he talk about emo bands my chemical romance does not count like at all I have made lots of videos about those bands that have millions of views. Yeah, exactly. War Dog. Shut up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. That was, I really enjoyed chatting you. It was really cool. We went through lots of topics. Anytime. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, same to you. It'd be cool to do this again. I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah. Anytime. Have a good day, man. In a bit. All right. Take care. Peace, peace, peace. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. 
On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. <laughs>